and by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth, and North Texas. Catholic radio for your soul on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Heard also at grnonline.com and on your smartphone. Live from the KATH 910 AM studios in Las Colinas and broadcasting across North Texas on the Guadalupe Radio Network. This is the Good News Show. And good afternoon and welcome to the Good News Show here on KTH 910 AM, Guadalupe Radio Network. Glad you're with us. Cloudy, kind of, you know, interesting day. Looks like we have some rain on the way, uh, but praise God, it's the Monday of the fifth week of Lent. How's your Lent going? We're almost uh, through it now. Next week is Holy Week, and I absolutely love Holy Week. It's uh, love participating in the Triduum and leading up to Easter, and I can start eating you know, stuff and drinking beer again and <laughs> having <laughs> sweets and, you know, all these really super spiritual stuff. So anyways, my name is Dave Palmer. And boy, I tell you, we have got a really, really interesting and uh, informative show for you today. I'm so excited. Uh, Cecil Anderson on the other side of the glass. How are you doing, Cecil? I'm doing well. Thank you. This is a big week. It uh, is. Sure-a-thon begins tomorrow morning, seven o'clock. It's a spring sure And I'm thinking, We've never had a situation like this, Cecil, where like everybody in the last week has gotten these huge checks from the government. <laughs> and I'm thinking like everybody can donate this week. But I, I was like, whoa, really? I get that check. And so uh, everybody's got a little extra cash on their hands. Good time to have a share And so hopefully you'll be generous and you'll support us uh, Tuesday through Friday. The theme is the celebration of St. Joseph as we celebrate his year. And so, uh, please make plans beginning tomorrow morning, seven o'clock. We always like the first donor to be from North Texas. Not mm-hmm. that we're competitive not with at you. All. No, 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 no. <laughs> we're not competitive with those other, uh, smaller, uh, markets like Houston and San Antonio <laughs> and those kind of places. Um, all right. Second half of the show today, uh, Dr. Jonathan Sanford is coming in. You know, he does this every fourth. Monday of the month, and so it's not unusual for him to be here. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, he started doing this as the, uh, he's a philosophy professor. He was uh, dean of the undergraduate program, and then as, you know, people started learning he was doing radio with us, they said, well, we need to not <laughs> knock him up to provost, Obviously. you know, because if he's good enough for Guadalupe Radio, and then finally they said, you know, we just got to make this guy the president of the university. And so um, he always brings somebody from the university in and interviews them. But today, Dr. Sanford is going to be interviewed by me. And uh, he has got a very, very interesting past. Uh, he has, he and his wife, Rebecca, have nine children. He's a grandfather. He doesn't look like a grandfather. He looks really young. And I, he may be the youngest uh, president of any major Catholic university. Uh, he also... Just a, a lot of neat things. He worked at Steubenville University for 13 years. Uh, he's, you know, his, uh, you know, area of expertise is philosophy and uh, just a neat, neat guy. So he's going to be here for the second half of the program. Looking forward to that. First half, uh, as if that wasn't enough, that would be a great show. We are going to introduce you to the board chair, new, newly um, um, installed board chair for the Catholic Foundation. Her name is Eileen Pratt. Uh, she's a native New Yorker, just like me. <laughs> and uh, she and her husband, Jack, run a foundation. And we're going to find out uh, more about her and also 
Matt Kramer, the president of the Catholic Foundation, is here in the studio with me as well. So, boy, I'll tell you, who else? Uh, is the bishop going to stop by? <laughs> who else could we possibly have on this program? And I want to thank Bill Kula. He's uh, the communication director for uh, the uh, Catholic Foundation. He always does a great job in helping prepare me. And also Claire Venegas, chief marketing and communication officer at UD. She's uh, done a lot to help me prepare for Dr. Jonathan Sanford's interview as well. So let's get uh, right to Eileen in a moment. But uh, first, First off, I want to just say, I've already said, Sherathon begins tomorrow, 7 o'clock, so please plan on donating this week if you possibly can. The other thing, I want to, commu- I want to congratulate uh, the Catholic Pro-Life community for a great event on Saturday night. Mm. Now, that was a lot of fun. I didn't get to go in person, but I was there watching from my living room, and they sent, what are those little boards called? I think we decided they're charcuterie, but I don't know if I'm saying that right. Charcuterie board. Charcuterie. It was great. I yeah. apologize if I slaughtered that word. <laughs> yeah, munching on some cheese and meats, and uh, they had Jason Jones there, gave a great talk, and he was kind of like their, the guy to ask for money. It seemed like they were raising a lot of funds. I don't know if they've hit their overall goal or not. Uh, you probably can still donate, prolifedallas.org. Uh, Gerilyn Kamiski is the new executive director, yes, and she exciting. was there, and she spoke, and of course, uh, Mike Weller, and uh, so congratulations to them. I really enjoyed it, and Francesca Battistelli did a concert and gave a little bit of her own testimony as well. Uh, so f- by all um, appearances, it was a great event. I enjoyed it very much. And uh, anything else uh, on the radar before we get on, yes, on with our program? Yes, I want to mention, oh, we've mentioned Sherathon starting this week, but we actually have a spot open for our volunteers on Thursday. Yes. We have the call center on Thursday, yeah. and we like to have six volunteers for each shift. In our morning shift, we are short one person. We have five volunteers, and we need one more person. So um, if you could come in and work in our Irving office from 7 a.m. to 1 p.m., um, you get to, we'll give you training. You're going to just answer phones for people who want to donate to Catholic radio they love catholic radio you meet new friends and you get free food so you know <laughs> that's really all the reason to come is you get breakfast and lunch so if that sounds like something you'd be interested in doing please email dave um dave palmer at grnonline.com and we would love to have yeah you. we just need one more, one person. more person we can't really send out like a big bulk email to <laughs> you know five thousand people so uh if you're listening right now you can come in tomorrow morning at seven o'clock and help out not tomorrow morning uh thursday morning, thursday morning yes. yes thank you you call tomorrow morning you come in a thursday morning thanks for that correction all right uh this is the good news show if you want to contact us or be part of the program today our phone number is 877-757-9424 877-757-9424 uh, if you want to learn about the Catholic Foundation, catholicfoundation.com, very easy. And I now am joined via phone with Eileen Pratt, the new board chair of the Catholic Foundation, and also, as I mentioned, Matt Kramer, the president, uh, joining me in studio as well. Uh, Eileen Pratt, good afternoon. Thanks for being on the program with us today. Well, thank you, Dave. It's good to be with you. Yeah, you and I have one thing in common, native New Yorkers. Uh, so uh, what part of New York were you born in? Well, I was born and raised in a small town on Long Island in Brentwood, New York, and um, I couldn't wait to get to the big city, so I went to college and law school at Columbia University in New York City, and then I married and um, my husband, Jack, and I moved to Dallas, 
So I've been here in Dallas for almost 40 years. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, that's Although everybody uh, tells me I still haven't lost my New York accent, but there you go. Yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't hear too much New York there. Maybe a little more than me. I, you know, being in broadcasting so long, they try to get you to get rid of all accents, so everybody that's sounds true. like they're from Indiana or something. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, glad, glad you're on with us. Uh, there's a brief bio on the Catholic Foundation uh, website about you, and there's a lot here about your educational background. I know you're. Uh, you and your husband are uh, parishioners at St. Monica. You have two children. You have your own foundation. What else would you like our listeners to know about you personally or professionally, other than outside of what you're doing now with the Catholic Foundation? Well, I practice law with a major law firm, and then I was deputy general counsel for a large corporation for almost 15 years. And um, after my first child, Michael, was born, I decided to retire to become a full-time mom and when my second child, Caroline, was in elementary school, I became a community volunteer, um, which eventually resulted in my being on the board of the Catholic Foundation. Yeah, it seems uh, also I know you're involved in Jesuit College Prep, or I, or I also I, I graduated from Jesuit College Prep, and you uh, were the, the chairman of the Crystal Charity Ball. You're involved with TCU Chancellor's Advisory Council. Do you find the the busier you get, the more people are asking you to do things and you just keep getting busier and busier. And, uh, and then how, how did it all come about with the Catholic Foundation in the midst of all the other things you're doing? Why was this important? Well, I'd been working in the community for about 16 years, and I'm not quite sure which of my community activities actually brought me to the attention of the Catholic Foundation. But I do remember that Matt Kramer, our president and CEO here, asked me to lunch to tell me about the Catholic Foundation and to ask me if I'd like to become a board member. So I'm now beginning my seventh year on the board, and my first year of a two-year term as board chairman. And I, I must tell you, Dave, that knowing now what I know about how the trustees are selected, I'm even more honored hmm. uh, than when I was first asked, because our governance committee is in charge of vetting trustee candidates. And we always have a great group of very talented people to choose from, and we only take a few new members each year. So it really has been an honor for me to be serving on this board. Yes, and I'm, I'm going to bring Matt into the conversation as well and talk about his own interaction with the board and how it all works out as well. But let me ask you about um, your own foundation, which is the Eileen and Jack Pratt Foundation. Apparently, you primarily focus on children and women. Uh, tell us about that and what kind of work you do through that foundation, Eileen. Well, it's not a big foundation. You know, it's modest, but, you know, we do what we can, and we do focus on um, women and children, um, mostly children, education and health care and social services. There's so much need in the community, as you know, Dave. And so we just try to do what we can um, to help in any way we can. We try to mostly keep the money in the community, but, you know, obviously there's times when you have to go nationally or even internationally to to contribute what you can. So um, I've, I've enjoyed doing that. I've done that for many years since we founded our community about 15 years ago. Yeah, and uh, Matt Kramer here in studio with me, he, he said, hey, make this mostly about Eileen and not me, but uh, he, <laughs> you know, he drove out here, and so we're going to bring him in as well. Matt, good, good to see you. Thanks, thanks for, for be being here. Tell us about uh, you, you, know, you as president, uh, you've got the board, now you've got the, the board chair, Eileen Pratt. Uh, how is that 
kind of working relationship, the relationship between you, the board of trustees, what involvement you have in choosing them? Or, you know, she said that you had first reached out to her a, a number of years ago to be on the board in the first place. So talk about that uh, relationship. Well, as Eileen said, most of the people that are chosen as trustees, of the foundations are very big influencers in our Catholic community. Mm-hmm. They're, the, they're the top folks. And we we're so glad that Eileen accepted because not everybody has the time to, to contribute to it. But the foundation, as you know, was started over 65 years ago. And it was Bishop Gorman's idea to have a lay-led organization. So we are separate from the diocese and we are governed by uh, lay people. And Eileen is just fantastic in her role. We're so excited. Uh, we just had our first set of committee meetings and she's bringing great leadership to the foundation. So we appreciate her giving her time for us. Yeah, I also, there were some other trustees that were appointed as well. I noticed our, our friend Jeff Sheffelbein. I, I told him, Jeff seems to be everywhere. Young guy. He's everywhere in the community. And I think he's bilocating or trilocating. But uh, other than Eileen being the new uh, board chair, tell us about the new trustees and, who, who, and why you selected them. So again, the, the trustees choose, they, they, may, they make recommendations on the new trustees and the governance committee and the board actually decides on who the next trustees will, or who will be invited to be the next trustees. We brought on Fernando Blanco, uh, Dr. Mauricio Delgado, Jeff Scheffelbein, as you mentioned, and then also John Dominski. Mm. So it's a pretty high class group of folks. Yeah. Uh, a lot of strengths with uh, investment experience and just just general governance and accounting experience. It's just great. Yeah. Eileen, you know, I, I find that it's, it's the same thing with any organization. There's always going to be some people that maybe are learning about uh, the Catholic Foundation for the first time. Maybe they just tuned in and they don't quite know what the mission, the purpose of it is. Of course, I, I know because I've done so many interviews about the Catholic Foundation and we've been direct recipients of the, the generosity of the, the people who support it and the Catholic Foundation. Can you kind of give an overview of the foundation and uh, the kind of organizations that are helped and in what way? Sure. Well, we're not an organization that goes out into the community to raise funds. And um, because of that, sometimes I think our profile's not as high as it should be. And so there are many Catholics who may not know about us. But what we do is we help people with their charitable giving during their lifetimes and, and beyond with their legacy gifts. Um, and um, we're, we're really diligent about that and, and very committed to that mission. And um, I think it's a very easy way for people to give and to support their community and their various charities. And I'm guessing one of the really, I guess, for lack of a better word, fun (laughs) and interesting parts of being on the board or being a trustee is the visits that you get to make to the organizations that are making a grant request, and you get at least pre-COVID to go on site and meet the people and see the need and things like that. Eileen, you've done a number of those, and, and tell us the impression those have made on you. Oh, well, you're right. That's actually my most favorite thing about being a board member, and I, I think my fellow trustees would agree with me on that. Each of the trustees goes to visit the various churches and schools to discuss their grant with them. And as you know, the diocese is comprised of 74 parishes, so this gives us an opportunity to visit parishes that we may not otherwise get a chance to visit and to meet with the priests and the teachers and the administrators who are really doing such good and important work and I must tell you, Dave, that um, you know when the Catholic Foundation funds a mobile food pantry truck or goes into the community with food for the hungry or equips 
an underserved school with whiteboards and computers or even replaces the roof of a church that has water leaking down the walls of its sanctuary, we know we're making a significant difference in the community. So that's very gratifying. Yeah, there's a spot that we used to play, and I think it was voiced by Matt or uh, maybe Bill or somebody from the Kathy Foundation, and it's just talking about the roof, uh, you know, of the, the school or the, the, the computer lab or, you know, the, the scholarship for needy children, you know, provided, you know, via the Catholic Foundation, of course, generous donors who uh, allow their money to, to, to be dispersed to the Catholic Foundation, but we don't always see it. And so, uh, can you think of any, some other examples or just the types of help that the Catholic Foundation has been doing? I, I think Matt said for 65 years, wow. um, and even in the time that you've been involved in it, uh, that People may not, you know, there's not like a big flag saying this was provided by the Catholic Foundation, but there's a lot. The footprint's quite quite broad out there across the the, the, the Dallas Diocese, isn't it? Oh, it is. We we help the elderly in in Catholic homes. We help um, with tuition assistance for um, children who don't have enough money to pay for all of the tuition in the Catholic schools. We've done things like there have been classrooms where the windows were broken and the children are sitting in there in the winter with coats on and we've replaced all the windows. I mean, it, it's been a myriad of, of different services that the Catholic Foundation has provided to the community. And um, it's really something quite to see when, when you go visit these schools and when you hear from these grantee recipients who tell you they're so grateful for what we've done because they have to stand on their own. Um, they, you know, they cannot go to the, the diocese and say, give us money to do this or give us money to do that. So we fill that important gap for them. Eileen Pratt joining us. She's the new board chair for the Catholic Foundation. Um, and also Matt Kramer, the president of the Catholic Foundation, in the studio with me as well. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hardly a, a, we go through a week without doing an interview and saying, oh, this person, you know, is funded by the Catholic Foundation. Uh, Craig Trusinski, I interviewed him last week on this show, and he's got this Billings Ovulation Method Association training for healthcare professionals, all funded by the Catholic Foundation. Um, Eileen, I'm sure you're where Cecil Anderson, our, our uh, North Texas assistant, uh, her salary is being funded by the Catholic Foundation. Last week, we had these uh, incredible teenagers from a local school who are doing amazing pro-life work. And, you know, this, this is what Cecil's doing is she's, uh, you know, reaching out to young people. So it's just amazing. Um, uh, let, me, let me bring Matt into the conversation uh, again. Uh, Matt Kramer, uh, tell us about 2020. Uh, we know 2019 was a, a record year. 2020 was just kind of a strange year all around with everything that was going on, but uh, you recently indicated that it actually was a pretty good year for the Catholic Foundation. Do you have some stats or some information to tell us what kind of year it was? Dave, it was a, actually turned out to be a fantastic year. It just showed how generous people are in our community. Uh, when we look at the, when we entered 2020, the first quarter, we were doing very strong. We were very strong with the contributions. And then we hit that seismic tremor that came through and disrupted everything called yeah. COVID. Yeah. But uh, we're very lucky that we pivoted very quickly to virtual events and so forth. We maintain our relationships with people. The year ended up very close to 2019's numbers. So it was our second best year ever. We had contributions in excess of $25 million. We had grants out the door in excess of $23 million. We had more than 2,200 grants, 2,200 grants going to 800 different organizations across the United States. 77% of those were Catholic, 
and 68% stayed in the nine-county Dallas uh, Catholic community. Mm. So it was a fabulous year. It was a lot of effort. And what was it, probably most notably, Dave, I'd have to tell you, is that this was just a continuance of 2019 in our growth. It was not COVID-related. You'll recall that we made a decision very early on to not start an emergency relief fund at the foundation. In fact, we encouraged everybody to give directly to Catholic Charities Give directly to St. Vincent de Paul. Give to your churches. Give to your the diocese. They need the money right then and there. They didn't need to come through the foundation for that. And uh, hopefully that worked out for all those. I think those charities did very well themselves. Mm-hmm. To say that it was the second best year ever, I mean, who would have thought a year ago, you know, this is right about a year ago is when this all hit. And for you to look at that and say, you know, I still think this is going to be an outstanding year. That, that's just amazing. I mean, praise God for that. And uh, Well, we continue to reinvent ourselves. We started yeah. end-of-life uh, seminars last year. We had three of them. Uh, we also became the proud sponsors of the televised Sunday Masses. That was an out, outcome of the uh, whole COVID situation. Yes. Uh, thanks, Matt. So congratulations. A great year. Eileen, let me ask you, um, we've got, a, gosh, about 10 minutes remaining in the interview. Eileen Pratt, the new board chair for the Catholic Foundation. And uh, tell us kind of um, a day in the life of a board chair. Is this something that uh, you're having to work on all the time? How often are you meeting with the other trustees? What What is life like uh, for you for the next couple of years? And also maybe what are some of the plans and uh, dreams and expectations do you have for the Catholic Foundation? Well, the board meets quarterly, and, um, you know, I preside over that meeting. But in addition to that, we have five committees. So we have audit, investment, development, distribution, and governance. And those individual committees also meet quarterly. So I also, (laughs) I don't chair those meetings, but I do uh, attend those meetings. So lots of meetings um, to make sure that everything is going perfectly well at the Catholic Foundation. Um, I meet with Matt oh once a week to discuss things that are that are happening and and things that are important within the foundation, and um, that's kind of what I do um, in terms of goals. I really and I know my fellow trustees agree with me. We would we are committed to continuing to grow the donor base so that we can make even more grants than we do now. And to do that, we'll be working hard with Matt and our wonderful staff to expand the awareness of the Catholic Foundation and the work we do, you know, especially as we have more and more people who are moving into the North Texas area from other regions. So we need to get the word out more about the Catholic Foundation, and and Dave, you've certainly helped us with that today, so thank you for that. Yeah, certainly. And if somebody is a principal or an executive director of a local Catholic 501c3 or apostolate, and they would like to uh, look into funding or receiving grants, or maybe they're just hearing about y'all for the first time, uh, well, what what should they do if if they are interested in applying for a grant in the future? Oh, that would, well... That would be wonderful. Um, they can contact us um, online through the Catholic Foundation, and they can certainly call us if they want to apply for a grant. There's information online at the CatholicFoundation.org, and uh, they can call um, and speak with Anne Latier at the Catholic Foundation. Um, if they want to open a fund, that's wonderful too. Um, they can call Cheryl Mansour, who I know you've, you've spoken with, um, or Matt to talk to the, um, Matt or Cheryl about opening a, a fund at the Catholic Foundation, and we would um, welcome that. And I think they would find it very easy, and that the staff is tremendously willing 
to help them in, in any way possible. Very nice. Uh, a few minutes remaining. If you have any questions for uh, Eileen Pratt, the new board chair, or Matt Kramer, the president of the Catholic Foundation, you can call us now, 877-757-9424. Also go to their website, catholicfoundation.com, catholicfoundation.com. Uh, Matt, you know, we've, we've, I've talked to you before about your annual event, and I know COVID kind of disrupted everything and people aren't doing events like they used to, but I've always enjoyed the, um, the Catholic Foundation person of the year and these events typically it's around what in the spring what what are the plans for any any kind of events um, we, we actually have the dinner planned for next February okay so next February we we canceled the one this year for okay. obvious reasons but uh, we are on schedule for next February okay have you selected your person yet or is that uh, TBA we have selected the person and it is TBA <laughs> <laughs> so all the above right yes. <laughs> it's a wonderful person I will tell you that and they are wonderful. I'm going to see if I can squeeze it out of y'all before the end of the interview. <laughs> Tell us more about that person, Eileen, would you? <laughs> Is it a he or a her? No, I... Well, I'll tell you this. It's a couple, and they are so deserving, absolutely, tremendously deserving. They've done so much for the Catholic community that you will not be surprised when you hear their yeah. names. Let's I, put it that way. I actually nominated a couple one time, and I'm, I won't use any names because I'm not going to try to squeeze this out of you, but I just wonder if it might be the, the person... <laughs> <laughs> not, not from my nomination, because other people were not nominating the same couple as well. So, all right, uh, we just have a few minutes remaining. Again, Eileen Pratt uh, with the Catholic Foundation, the new board chair, and also Matt Kramer as well. Uh, Matt, you, you talked about the end-of-life series, the, the televised mass. It seems like you guys are always finding new ways to serve the community. Anything else uh, that people can expect in 2021 or going forward? Uh, you're just going to continue to see our events go from virtual to live. We actually mm-hmm. have an end-of-life uh, seminar session coming up at St. Mary's in Sherman in, uh, towards the end of May. So you can learn more about that as we start promoting that online. You'll see more information about that. Yeah, very- and, I, and I also want to mention you, you talked about for folks that want to apply for grants. We do have spring and fall grant sessions. In the fall grant session, the letter of intent will be due by June 15th. So don't uh, think it's uh, far away. It's uh, June 15th. So if you want to apply, as Eileen said, uh, Anne Latier is a great person to talk to if you have questions about the application process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, when I first got into Catholic Radio, I, I literally it was me at a table and a computer and a phone, and I, I didn't know what to do. And somebody said, call the Catholic Foundation. That's the, And that literally was, was the, for my first call. And Ed Schaffler, your predecessor, was kind enough to go out to lunch with me. And then, you know, the, everything just kind of rolled from there. Uh, Eileen, the other side of it are the people, of course, you have the folks that I mentioned who would like to receive uh, grants, but then that's all made possible by people uh, utilizing the the Catholic Foundation as their you know to to manage their money and to uh, you know disperse their money in in the best way possible. What about somebody listening right now who's interested in in, in contacting you all for that purpose? Well, what what would be their first step? What would you think, Matt? Would you think it would be calling the Foundation and speaking with who's the best person there? Would it be Cheryl or would it be you? Uh, it could be Cheryl, it could be Michael George, it could be Elizabeth Murray, or it could be me. Any of the okay. four of us would be happy to talk to anybody that uh, would like to learn more about the foundation. We are a community foundation. We're a public charity. 
uh, and we can handle your charitable giving for you. All right. Uh, thanks so much, Eileen. Uh, what else? I'll give you the last word. Anything else people should know about you, about the foundation, uh, anything going, uh, going forward? Uh, what would you like to say to close it out today? Well, basically, I think the Catholic Foundation has been hiding its light under a bit of a bushel. So I'd like people to know about us, to know about the good work we're doing, to know about all the grants we're putting out to the community, to know how we can help them with their charitable giving and make it so easy uh, for them. It's almost a one-step process. So um, if you want more information, please, please reach out to the Catholic Foundation, and we'd be so happy to help you. Yeah, thanks so much. You know, and, and we certainly uh, have been doing everything we can, and, uh, and Matt and everybody else has been so available. Great communication director and Bill Kula, and so we'll continue to be at your service. And, of course, Eileen, if there's anything that we can do to help you and promote uh, what you're doing, hopefully we can uh, get another interview with you here in a few months and uh, get an update on how things are going for you. Well, Dave, you've been so supportive of the Catholic Foundation, so we thank you so much. Yeah, well, we native New Yorkers need to hang together, right? <laughs> you know, right. <laughs> accent or no accent. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right. Well, good, good to talk with you, and God bless you. Thanks for all the work that you're doing and for uh, saying yes to uh, being the board chair with the Catholic Foundation. I'll get, of course, uh, thanks to Bill Kula as well. I, I said Eileen gets the last word, but Matt, I'll actually give you one last word. Anything else uh, for our, our listeners, or have Dave, we covered Dave, it all? No, thank you for all your support. We really appreciate it. Yeah, well, thanks. Thanks so much. Uh, you're listening to The Good News Show. Go to catholicfoundation.com if you want to learn about the good work of the Catholic Foundation. And uh, so many people there have just been there, like Michael George and uh, uh, Cheryl Mansour and uh, Bill Kula. been there a long time, and so people uh, start working there and they stay there. And of course, Matt Kramer's been the president for uh, quite a few years as well. So congratulations to Eileen Pratt, and visit their website, catholicfoundation.com, whether you're looking for grants or you'd like to just learn more about how you could uh, invest some of your money and uh, for the good of the local community. Let us take a break now, and when we come back, we are going to be speaking to the newly appointed president of the University of Dallas. His name is Dr. Jonathan Sanford. He's no stranger here, but typically when he comes in, he's bringing somebody with him, and he's interviewing them. Well, Dr. Sanford is going to be on the, so to, so to speak, hot, hot, hot seat today, because we're going to get to know him, his past, his spirituality, his educational background, and also uh, his vision for the University of Dallas. And so that's going to be a really interesting conversation. So quick break and back with Dr. Jonathan Sanford right after this. Plan to attend the 10th Annual North Texas Catholic Men's Conference on Saturday, April 10th. I'm Dave Palmer with the North Texas Catholic Brothers for Christ, host of the conference, Come to the Table Where Grace Begins. Join men 18 years and older as we hear from Father Larry Richards in person at St. Francis of Assisi Catholic Church in Frisco and celebrate sacramental moments with others. Safe distancing and masks will be used in the sanctuary and on campus. Visit catholicbrothersforchrist.com for details and to register. Pursue your vocation to heal through an online education in psychology and counseling at Divine Mercy University. Our master's and doctorate programs in psychology and counseling encompass a unique learning experience through our Catholic Christian approach to mental health, faith-centered, and science-based teachings. Join a community of healers where change begins with you. Help heal our Catholic community from mental hardship, educating minds, transforming lives. Learn more at divinemercy.edu. That's divinemercy.edu. 
Our Lady of Lebanon Maronite Catholic Church in Louisville invites all KTH 910 AM listeners to join them in their Holy Week mission with Father Mitch Pacwa, EWTN radio host and senior fellow of the St. Paul Center for Biblical Theology. The mission takes place from March 27th through April 4th and will include Palm Sunday Mass on March 27th and March 28th, a healing Mass on March 31st, Holy Thursday with the washing of the feet at 7 p.m., Good Friday and Easter Sunday. For more information and a complete schedule, visit OurLadyLebanon.com. Hello, my name is Liz Mertz. My husband, Bill, and I own Mastertech Auto Repair and Plano. We are proud sponsors of Catholic Radio. Our family has been parishioners of St. Gabriel's and McKinney for many years. Mastertech is a full-service auto repair for all vehicles, from oil changes to complete engine replacement or transmission service. We are located just across the street from St. Mark's Parish in Plano. You can contact us at 972-578-1841 or www.mastertechplano.com. Thank you, and may you have a blessed day. Thursday, April 8th, we will broadcast live from Sacred Heart Books and Gifts in Dallas during the 1 p.m. hour. And during that hour, we will draw the winners of their Easter raffle live on the radio. And if you're a Catholic writer and you'd like us to mention your work on the radio, please email me, davepalmer at grnonline.com. And it's not too late to get your Easter raffle tickets benefiting Sacred Heart Books and Gifts. Visit sacredheartdallas.com and tune in 1 p.m. Thursday, April 8th for our live broadcast. Are you a healthcare professional who wants to learn more about fertility awareness, restorative reproductive medicine, and the Billings Ovulation Method? Are you in need of continuing education credit? BOMA USA, the Billings Ovulation Method Association, is a new sponsor of KTH 910 AM. They've created online training specifically for healthcare professionals or experienced fertility awareness teachers. Visit boma-usa.org and click on Health Professionals at the top of the page. This is your gateway to a whole new learning experience. All right, we are back. This is the Good News Show, and as I mentioned, this is an exciting week and also a, a great way to, you know, begin the week that we have our Spring share because we like to highlight why is Catholic Radio important. And, uh, wow, to have the president of the Catholic Foundation, the board chair of the Catholic Foundation, and now, not that he's any stranger to these airwaves or this studio, but uh, first time in studio as the official president of the University of Dallas, Dr. Jonathan Sanford. Good to see you. How are you doing? It's great to see you, Dave. It's great to be here. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah. I, you know, the very first time you and I ever met, uh, I was emceeing a homeschool conference. That's right. Over, I think it was Arlington. In, it was yeah. in Arlington. Yes. And they've got this professor from University of Dallas is going to be talking about this or that. And I got to introduce you, Dr. Jonathan Sanford. I didn't know anything about you. And, uh, uh, well, here you are as, as president. So congratulations. It's I really great. appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, and also <laughs> I got to thank Clara Venegas, uh, Chief Marketing and Communication Officer at the University of Dallas, because, uh, you know, sometimes some people make interviews a lot easier, and she's been providing me a lot about a background. And as many times as I've met you and been on the air with you, I didn't know a lot. I'd forgotten that you and uh, Rebecca have nine children. That's true, nine kids. And one grandchild. Yeah, and a second on the way. Is so that right? Early September, we'll have our, our second grandchild. Yeah, I want to just read a, a couple of the bits of information uh, regarding your bio. Of course, I think that's the most important thing. You're a, you're a parishioner at St. Rita in mm-hmm. Dallas. That's right. 
And one of your children is actually a student at the University of Dallas, right? That's right, yeah. yeah. He, he, he's a transfer student. So I, um, that means I need to refine my pitch for prospective <laughs> students. But, but he, he was at another university and in an honors program there. And when, when um, that university decided not to um, have in-person classes, he thought, well, I'll, I'll try a few, a few classes at the University of Dallas and, and just fell in love with, mm-hmm. with the university. And, yeah. Uh, um, the friendships that form there are really outstanding. Yeah. I want to, we got, uh, uh, almost 30 minutes to do this. I want to spend the first half on you and then the second half on the university, your vision for it. And you put out a great video that Claire sent to me about a three minute video talking about, uh, the plans forward and what a unique place this is. But let's, uh, talk about your education background. I didn't realize all this. Uh, summa cum laude Xavier University. Uh, degree, classical languages and philosophy in 1997. Is that Cincinnati? That's Cincinnati, yes. Okay, yeah. Jesuit, so I, Jesuit school? Jesuit school. And, um, you know, I, I, um, I went there because of this particular program called the Honorum Artis Baccalorum program. So okay. it's, it's like the, the old um, Ratio Studorum. So the, the program of studies that um, Jesuit uh, priests would go through in, in formation. And, it, so a holdover from really um, you know hundreds of years ago, and and it was four years of Greek and Latin, um, not studying Greek and Latin merely, but reading texts in mm-hmm. those languages. Yeah, and, and I came from a classical ed high school, and so uh, I was very attracted to the idea of uh, digging in more deeply with some of the texts that I'd already been exposed to. Yeah. Uh, why philosophy in particular? Why does that interest you so much? You know, that's a good question. And I was, I was a literature major, mm-hmm. a second major, for a couple of years, and then um, found myself um, attracted to the philosophy courses, in, in part because you could disagree with your professors without um, any kind of retribution. And, <laughs> and um, I, I, was, I was a rather... Um, you know, not not inappropriately belligerent or anything like that, but I I I, I really valued and still value being able to articulate uh, refinements, disagreements, and I found that the faculty were were not just encouraging of that, but but actually honed my my uh, my skills in that regard. Yeah. Now beneath that, I realized that a lot of my attraction to literature was philosophically motivated, and and I I just love thinking about big ideas and the life of inquiry. Yeah. And, that reminds me of a great Chesterton quote uh, talking about his brother, and he said, my brother and I argued constantly, but we never once quarreled. Yeah. And I love that, and especially in the cancel culture that we're living in now, and I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, and maybe I should save this question, but the way that – okay, I'm, I'm definitely getting ahead of yeah. myself, but, I, but remind me, because I want to talk about how the University of Dallas forms – somebody to be able to get out into the culture mm-hmm. and be able to argue in the best sense of the word right. and uh, defend themselves. But let, let me let me uh, come back to that because I want to know, know more about you. You went on and uh, to the University of Buffalo and got a degree, a doctorate in 2001 mm-hmm. uh, from Cincinnati to, to Buffalo. Why, why, why there? Yeah, well, they, they have a um, uh, quite famous program that's strong in the history of philosophy. I was also thinking of getting two PhDs, and they have a very strong classics program as well. And the, the number of children who were coming along motivated me to uh, just rest content with, with <laughs> one PhD. And, and Becca and I, um, we were married after our sophomore year. We were financially independent, and 
uh, frankly, uh, University of Buffalo offered me a, a, a very attractive uh, stipend and health insurance um, plan. So th- that was part of it because at that time, uh, my wife had decided she really wanted to be home with the kids. Mm-hmm. And and so how do you how do you complete a PhD and um, raise children simultaneously? And and uh, the program there helped make that possible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you you said you went to even in high school you were learning classical. Did do you remember the time when you fell in love with learning? When you just said I, I love this because you know you, we're not even done. You went uh-huh. on and got a fellowship from Fordham University. Uh, you were at Franciscan University of Steubenville uh, for for thirteen years, and so yeah. your whole life has really been learning. You you must just absolutely love it. Well, my my mother was um, an author. She still is. Um, she may be listening to this program. So thanks for inspiring me, mom. And and I would. I would see her um, run off to her her bedroom and and um, work on articles. Or she's got a couple of, of books, so that was one inspiration. And and then my, um, you know, I, I wanted to be a um, a professional baseball player. That was my my aspiration for <laughs> a long time. And yeah, uh, I, I, there's this movie, The Rookie, which which inspired me. It came out about ten years ago. But the the um, um, I had a, a, a teacher, Dr. Roland Lassiter, who, who subsequent to teaching at the school I went to in South Bend, came down to the University of Dallas and taught at the University of Dallas and also um, uh, did some teaching at, at the Highland School. But uh, he taught me a, a course on on literature in, in my eighth grade year. And um, it, 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 part of it was the content of the course, but also the, 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 uh, the character of the man who – who was dedicated to a life of of learning, a life of inquiry, and um, that personally motivated me. I wanted to be a man like that. Mm-hmm. You have a particular interest in moral philosophy, and uh, is it a book you're writing before Virtue, assessing contemporary virtue ethics? Is so that, that uh, that's pu- that's published. Okay, published. You know, yeah, and, and uh, Catholic University of America Press uh, published that a few years ago, and I'm I'm working on a book right now on the virtues and education. Because yeah. you're just not busy enough, you know, yeah, like you need right. to write a book. Right. <laughs> Working very slowly, I should say. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, tell us about your your faith background, cradle Catholic, mm-hmm. uh, good Catholic upbringing, Catholic schools, uh, maybe something about your spirituality. Sure. So um, I, I indeed am a cradle Catholic, and my parents were very involved and still are in um, the charismatic renewal. And so I, I grew up in the people of praise, which is a, um, a covenanted charismatic community as a kid. And been in the um, news uh, the last few years. That's, uh, that's, that's a group right. with Amy, Co- Amy Coney Barrett, right? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And and so um, that was that was a, a very nurturing environment, and I certainly witnessed the way in which um, people um, uh, delighted in their in their uh, relationship with our Lord. When I was in college, I, I was initially I, I was very unprepared for um, some of what I experienced at at um, this this Jesuit um, university, and and just sort of surprised at. At um, the fact that that uh, faith was not particularly vibrant there, and um, was searching, and found my way in part through um, marriage prep, um, 
to uh, some more traditional forms of, of spirituality and um, began praying the, the rosary regularly. I, uh, a devotion to Mary is a, um, uh, very much at the heart of my own spirituality. And, and as I made progress in my studies, um, I, I took St. Thomas Aquinas as a, a patron saint for my, my studies and um, was also working on his thought and have long felt an affinity for uh, the Dominican approach to to thinking about the relationship between faith and reason, but um, it, when, when my wife and I decided to get married, we we were very deliberate about focusing our marriage on Christ and the Church. We wanted to to uh, to raise godly children, and that has remained our focus, even though we've 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 matured and moved and done lots of things uh, since we were nineteen mm-hmm. and got married at twenty. Um, but but uh, through it all, that that sacramental union and our own desire um, to to uh, be faithful witnesses to uh, to marriage has, yeah. has been with us. I love that story because there's so many people, and again, you know, not everybody's called to get married young, but some people feel like everything has to be settled. And they got to get that perfect job and earn X number of dollars before they get married. But y'all got married young. Yeah. And had a whole lot of kids, and here you are, the president of the University of Dallas, and everything seems to be going pretty well for you, despite that. Uh, that, <laughs> that <laughs> That's right, yeah. You know, we we had a wonderful uh, uh, Jesuit priest who, who married us, who, yeah. who's uh, stepping down this year as the president of uh, Xavier University. And he used this image um, in his homily at our at our wedding of um, – what. Because he knew a lot of people had had responded to us at that time quite negatively. What are you doing? And and I even had professors tell me that I was throwing away my career, mm-hmm. um, promising academic or lawyer, um, and and here I am, um, you know, chaining myself to another person, and <laughs> and it was it, it was very negative. And 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 so the the priest who married us um, um, used the image of uh, people see windows. Um, closing here, whereas um, my wife and I, um, we see windows opening, and yeah. that that really has been the case. I, mean, we, I, I studied in Europe when we had two children. We came home expecting our third. Um, uh, it, I've been extremely privileged to to do all of these things, but but the idea that you get married. And you're 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 set forever. Um, mm-hmm. Life's no longer going to be adventurous. <laughs> you, you know, give up on on pursuing additional degrees and, and yeah. that sort of thing. That 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 never seemed to be something that needed to lock us in. Yeah. And and um, I'm just so grateful for the ways in which God has has uh, given us the opportunities to to explore and grow and 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 serve Him. Praise God, uh, Dr. Jonathan Sanford, the new president of the University of Dallas, as of March 8th, uh, joins us here in studio. If you have a question, you want to ask him. Yeah, we're going to be talking about the University of Dallas in particular, the vision, the future, uh, what makes it such a great university already, and how it might even become better in the near future. 877-757-9424 is the phone number. Before that, though, you know, whenever I see you, you're always buttoned up, you you, you look great, your people know you <laughs> as an academic, an intellectual, uh, uh, you... You have had, from what I understand, jobs in manual labor. Have you been a business owner? I know you're a big sports fan. Tell us maybe some things outside that box of president of UD that people may not know about you. Yeah, you know, it's funny. Sometimes people are, are uh, they, they say how surprised they are when they see me not in a suit. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I worked for a, uh, a painting company 
for many years, the same painting company, the Fussy Dutchman was the, the name <laughs> of the of the painting company that uh, was owned and operated by one of my high school teachers, Tom Ditz, um, who employed a lot of us, um, his students. And and I soon became the foreman for that painting company. I, I, I worked for um, all my summers and breaks um, when when there was painting to be done during, during Christmas. Um, I started my own painting company when I was in graduate school, um, and and uh, you know I had my own little LLC, and and then um, uh, when I was in Steubenville, I I started to um, uh, refurbish um, uh, first the house we lived in, we moved out of, and we rented it, and 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 did that several times. So owned some properties and and would do almost all of the work myself. My older brother's a, a machinist and used to be a home contractor. We grew up uh, working with our hands. And um, as as to athletics, I, I, I played baseball, basketball, soccer um, through high school. And um, and then in college, was on the rowing team. Mm. And um, um, I don't get on the water uh, very often anymore, but we, we do have a, a rowing machine at home. But um, you, you can often find me on a on a Sunday afternoon uh, playing two on two basketball, um, sometimes three on three, with with uh, our kids in the backyard. No, oh, uh, and I'm not cool. wearing a suit at those times. <laughs> so. so you do take the suit off every that's now right. and then, right? That's right. Uh, very interesting. Again, Dr. Jonathan Sanford uh, joining us. Sounds like a, a really well-rounded person. So we talked about your academic background, being at Steubenville for 13 years. Mm-hmm. How did the, the UD opportunity avail? Because it doesn't sound like you had a background at University of Dallas. Otherwise, you're no. mostly up north, right. uh, Buffalo and, you know, um, in Ohio and Indiana. So how did that, how did that, uh, relationship start? Well, that, that, uh, High school teacher, our eighth grade teacher, I mentioned, was part of it. So um, I knew he was attracted to the University of Dallas, Dr. Rollin Lassiter, as um, as a student at a, a classical education, um, uh, seven through twelve school. UD was sometimes mentioned as as a place that does this really well. So I, I admired the University of Dallas from afar. I, I had never planned to go into. Um, ac- academic administration. I, I went to graduate school to be a teacher mm-hmm. and and love teaching, but I I did find myself in leadership positions at Franciscan and had had come close to making a decision to go back to to um, teaching full time. I was going to take a sabbatical and 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 um, University of Dallas um, uh, started knocking on on my door, so to speak, um, or. Sending me persistent emails, um, telling me that <laughs> that they'd really like me to apply to be the dean of our undergraduate college, and and after consulting with some friends, I, I um, decided to do that. And um, again, because I admire particularly the the core curriculum and the way in which the core undergirds the majors um, at the university and it's uh, the university's commitment to the magisterium. Um, the uh, when I when I came down for my interview, my second round of interviews on campus, and gave an address to the faculty, and and uh, was able to to meet many of the faculty for the first time and and get to know them, I I felt um, profoundly at home, even mm-hmm. though this this was like a foreign land to me at the time. Texas Texas just seemed so far from the Midwest, and it is in many respects, but but on the other hand, um, I the the education is is that point of of contact and. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I uh, what what was admiration from afar became um, really um, a, a kind of love affair from within, and yeah. and uh, there's no other university that I would rather serve as as president. 
And you came in 2015, so you've had about six years of uh, experience there. I love the video that you did that uh, Claire sent over to me. You said, this university is a special place. My own background, I have a master's degree from University of Dallas. My younger sister went there as an undergraduate. I grew up in Dallas. I went to Jesuit. I always thought UD was just kind of this local university and, you know, Mm -hmm. just people locally went there. And my sister told me, oh, my one of my roommates is from California and I've got another one from Chicago and somebody from here. And I was like, wow, people from all across the country, if not the world, are coming to the University of Dallas. And so in your experience here, you mentioned it's a special place. What makes the University of Dallas so special? Well, it's it's distinctive approach to undergraduate education, if we're going to talk about the undergraduate programs. I mean, it it really is rigorous. We really do uh, form our students well with respect to um, coming to understand the tradition and learning to write well. It is so rare for universities to dedicate the kind of time that really needs to be given to fostering excellent writing. Our students are able then to be really successful, whatever their, their careers. So the University of Dallas has this this commitment to a, a rigorous, serious Catholic education that liberates the mind, that um, liberates um, one in order to live a life in which they can um, strive to do great things, right? So there's, I would say, an orientation towards living heroically that is part of the education, and, and, and that comes in large part through um, working through the tradition. And and our our tradition, as you know, Dave, is is not one. And I'm going to touch on. You had asked about disagreement and, mm-hmm. and how do we cultivate that? Because that's another point of of real distinction at the university. Well, our our tradition. If you if you think about the fact that you you read um, Homer and you read Plato, uh, they did not see eye to eye. In fact. Plato was a fierce critic of Homer, the mm. educator of Greece, and Aristotle was a critic of his teacher, Plato. And um, Augustine was, um, at times, highly critical of, of Aristotle and Plato, and certainly of Homer. And and Aquinas refines um, Augustine in important ways. And there's that, that big question that, that Tertullian, who's not a saint, uh, asked, you know, what, what does Athens have to do with Jerusalem, right? <laughs> because those, those two cities which stand for such different traditions, um, they, they are in conflict in fundamental ways. So sitting in the classroom, wrestling with texts that, that put questions to each other and learning how to put questions to your fellow students through the, the ministration of an excellent professor in the classroom fosters the, the, the virtue of, of being able to exercise rational disagreement, right? Not losing your cool, not, not feeling as though uh, somebody has offended you because they disagree with your interpretation yeah. and, and learning how to listen to your opponent's argument and um, articulate it in a way that does it true justice in order to move forward with, with one's particular uh, perspective and then being willing to be persuaded mm-hmm. in, in the face of a stronger argument. So these, these are, are skills – um, connected to, I think, fundamental virtues that our society desperately needs. 
right? So um, I don't know if it, if it works as a slogan, but come to the University of Dallas where you learn to disagree with other people well. Right? <laughs> um, I but, love how you say also in your video, you said students are cultured, humanized, and able to be leaders. You know, yeah. maybe that's what we need most in our culture is just a humanization and being able to see the humanity in each other because we're so right. divided, right? That's right. And being able to argue, but not quarrel, that's as right. Chesterton said. Let me um, ask you about the future of the University of Dallas. You make it very clear in the video that the the the, the university is in a good place right now. You're yes. not you're not you know inheriting a mess. That's right. Uh, but at the same time, there's always new things that can be done. Something could be done better. So, what, what's what's your vision? Where would you like to see in the next year in five years? Well, I want to build on our on our excellence. Um, build up in those programs that are. Um, providing the education that I just described. We also have outstanding programs on the graduate level, as you know, um, in theology and philosophy, also in business. We have a thriving business school, and being able to, to shape those who are engaged in commerce is, is really important. So how, we're going to focus on how to do that better. We also want to really increase our service to church and country and find new ways to do that. So here's here's an example. We've recently done some reorganization at the university. The the School of Ministry is going to become the Newhoff Institute for Ministry and Evangelization. That will focus on the continuing education of those in parishes and, and other places. We're in, in uh, significant conversations with the Diocese of Dallas about how to do that well, as well as with other dioceses. The degree programs there are moving into um, the Department of Theology. And Matt Kramer was just in here. We're partnering with the Catholic Foundation to uh, found a homiletics institute. Mm. And that homiletics institute is laser focused on helping priests and deacons in, improve their, their homilies, giving them the, the tools that they need to be even more effective homilists and also to help them to build community with each other because mm. so many of our priests are, are isolated um, from each other. So those are, those are some of the um, areas that, that we're focusing on. Yes, and uh, we got a few minutes left. We might want to stretch a tiny bit. Uh, Dr. Jonathan Sanford uh, joining me here, new president of the University of Dallas as of March 8th. And you can learn more about the University of Dallas at udallas.edu. And um, there's some upcoming events. I don't know if we'll have time to touch on this, but there is a uh, program right going on right now where I, I think a vast, vast majority of the students at UD are receiving some kind of financial aid. And if you go to udallas.edu, the first thing you see are some groundhogs, and there's a program going on right now. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, so, can so it, it? It, we call it the Core Challenge, and um, this was started by our National Alumni Board as a way to help raise funds to help our students. 96% of our of our students receive some form of financial aid. Uh, so parents who are, who are looking at the cost of college, sticker price is one thing. Um, actual price tends to, to be something else. We work hard to meet the needs of uh, our prospective students, and we, we want the right kinds of students at our, at our university. What I mean by the right kind of student, those who are really eager for the kind of education that we provide, those who are hungry, right? Um, so – uh, that that's something you can learn about just by going to the front page of our website. Other events, we, we, we're hosting a conference on uh, the theme America, Liberalism, and Catholicism with some, some major speakers, Patrick Deneen, Ross Douthat of the New York Times, Chad Pecknold of uh, Catholic University of America, and some of our own outstanding faculty, Chris Wolf, Dan Burns, Gladden Pappen. Uh, but 
taking up the question, what is the role of Catholicism within our political order? And we, we're at a, a, a strange moment in this mm-hmm. country, and um, people of, of, of faith are trying to figure out their place within the, uh, um, the, the republic. So um, it's, it's the kind of conference that um, um, I don't know if it's only the University of Dallas would host, but, but it's it, um, not, not the sort of conference you're going to find many places where, where there's, there's going to be serious engagement with these questions. So unfortunately, because of COVID, um, numbers will be limited on campus, but we will be streaming the, uh, the major talks. And that's going to be April 15th and 16th and also April 12th. George Weigel will be speaking, right, uh, seeing good. the world and the church through the eyes of JP2. And yes. so that's uh, you can probably learn all about that by going to that same website, udallas.edu. You're currently still serving as provost. Yeah. <laughs> You're kind of doing it all, aren't you? Yeah, I'm not sleeping a uh, whole lot. Uh, so and uh, we're about to, uh, we're out of time, so I got to wrap this up, but uh, again, uh, the the role of a president as opposed to a provost, as mm-hmm. opposed to a dean, what's the primary purpose and role of a president of a university? Yeah, the president sets the the academic vision for the entire university and is the the public face of the university. So the the shift here, and, and I'm, I'm provost just until July 1st. We have okay. an outstanding interim provost who will be stepping into the role. Dr. Tammy Leonard is her name. And um, so the provost is really focused on, on the details and mm-hmm. in the weeds quite a bit. And the president, as a CEO, has to be in the weeds but needs to be able to rely upon um, those who are overseeing particular areas so that his or her eyes can be focused on ways in which um, the the university can be advanced in the in the community. So in DFW, I will be um, working hard to make sure that people understand the relevance of the University of Dallas, what we have to provide. I will also be um, working on on national positioning and um, uh, helping people see that that the University of Dallas provides the paradigm, I think, the, the most outstanding paradigm for a Catholic liberal arts university. All right. Premier Catholic liberal arts university in the United States and uh, right here in our backyard, literally just a couple of miles from where we're broadcasting. The new president is 